Tonight we're going to be talking about giving to the needy and the treasures in heaven. And if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 4, and then 19 through 24. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day and the beauty of this day. Father, in this day, there has been so much good. Father, you have blessed us, touched us, encouraged us. Father, we can see that there's been many blessings in so many different ways. But Father, also in this day, there has been much evil. And I pray that you would just help us to also to see with spiritual eyes. Father, to be people of discernment, that you would just help us and lead us and guide us. I pray tonight that you would just touch me to bring this message, this teaching. And ask also that you would just touch our hearts to receive. Help us as we look to you, the author and finisher, the one who has given us everything that we need for this day. And Father, we just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's read this uh, scripture uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen of them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, uh, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Going down to verse 19 then. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is is where your heart is also. The eye of the lamp of the body, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As we start chapter 6, as we're going through the the Sermon on the Mount, um, chapter 6 we can see that he's continuing to talk to them uh, about righteousness, about their character, about their inward uh, heart. And um, in this chapter, he talks about practicing righteousness before others, fasting, laying up treasures, being anxious, and also in there, uh, we have the Lord's Prayer, which we have dealt with. And uh, so I'm taking the first part of it and kind of about two-thirds of the way, and uh, then uh, Ryan will be taking uh, next week the uh, fasting and praying, and um, I think being anxious. Uh, three of them contain both a negative and a positive part. Don't do this, but do that. And I'm going to talk about those today, tonight. Practicing righteousness before others, fasting, and laying up of treasures. So in chapter 6, really deals with the inner man in these areas. Though it might be seen by others we need to be very careful of how we, per, how we are perceived when we do certain things on the outside, when we are giving to others, when we're doing works of service for God. And so that's, that's what it's about tonight. So let's break in into two parts, starting with the first one, the first four verses of chapter 6. In the previous areas that Jesus had talked about, he always kind of said, he goes, you have heard it said, but... And we've talked about that, you know, numerous times of, you know, the reason for that and the Pharisees and all of those kinds of things. And as he starts this, he doesn't start with that, but he uses the word beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen. And it's a warning that is given unto those that are listening at that time. And, and we've all heard that word. Whenever, you know, we come to danger, maybe when we were a kid or whatever it happened to be, your parents would say, beware, you know, don't touch the stove, you know, beware of hanging around people who, you know, you shouldn't be hanging around with because, um, you know, you, you know, change your character by doing those things. And so we all know that word. And I looked it up. It says to be on guard. And it's used as a warning to be on guard, to be used as a warning. 
And we are supposed to be aware. And really, as we walk through this life, we should always be aware. I, I say so many times, you, those who have heard me speak numerous times, um, there's a physical side and a spiritual side to everything. Physical side and a spiritual side to everything. And we live in the physical, but we can, we can also see the spiritual side if we really, you know, take the opportunity, if we pray about it, and we say, okay, what is the spiritual side? The, a lot of times the example I use is when you see somebody who has an anger issue, that's the physical. And we would say, well, they have an anger problem. And I would tell you, no, they don't have an anger problem. That's just what we see. That's what we see. We see them getting angry. But what is the root of the problem? What is, what is the real issue that's causing them to be angry? And that's what we need to, you know, to look at, to beware of what's around us, that we should have spiritual eyes in the things that we do. Now, you know, when you go and you have lunch, there's maybe nothing spiritual about that. But, you know, if something happens during that lunch or, you know, an opportunity to witness or you see something or touch somebody or whatever, that's the spiritual side about it. Though it's acted out in the flesh. Because we do things and then what happens if we look back at it, we say, oh, I see how God directed me to do that or go another direction or how I ended up here or there or saying something to somebody to encourage them. That's, that's the way that we're supposed to look at things, that we are to, to be aware of those things around us, to be on guard. And it's not just for the, the things that are negative, but also for the things that are positive. What's God doing positive in our life that we are to be aware of, to be on guard? It's more than you have heard it said. Jesus told them how to be more righteous. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, which we've already studied. It says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And this was kind of, uh, you know, a benchmark. And I said it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, as we live our life, we kind of live it here, but God wants us to live it a little bit higher. The scribes and the Pharisees can live down here, but God wants us to live it a little bit higher than that. And you'd have to believe that when he said that, you know, I think those people were sitting around there thinking, yeah, I know a few Pharisees and scribes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live like them. And they using them as an example. Because we do that a lot of times. If somebody says something, or somebody will come to your mind. You know, I know somebody, boy, they're just as mean as a snake. And somebody will pop in your mind also that you know, man, that person's as mean as a snake. And, you know, to live better than what they were doing because they were hypocrites. They were hypocrites. Jesus' warning of being one who wants to be seen for the righteousness that they have in their life. That is the warning. Don't go and do these things so that other people would see the righteousness in you. We're supposed to live our life each and every day before God and not to be bragging on ourselves. He says, you must not be like the hypocrites. And this is used three times in this chapter. One time for giving, one time for prayer, and one time for fasting. So we're going to hear, hear this again. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great English preachers, he put it this way, to stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is a posture of hypocrisy of blowing your own horn, of this is what I'm doing. I'm giving something to somebody or I'm doing this work for God. <clears throat> Remember that when that you're in a relationship with God and really nobody likes a show off. Nobody likes a show off. And, you know, that's the way that we feel a lot of times when we see other people doing certain things. I used to watch an evangelist on TV and sometimes they would come on there and they'd have these bright coats on and they'd have this big wavy hair and I'm nothing like them I don't have any hair nor do I have any flashy coats <laughs> they get on there to be seen I have you know I've, I've, I've met so many ministers in my lifetime and I and I have seen these guys and and uh, some of them some of them I can honestly say that some of them that I have met have been hypocrites 
There was a time when I was interning down in New Orleans and we had this uh, evangelist come through and I could tell you a number of stories about him, but he, he preached really good. He really did. He preached really, really well. He used correct English. Okay. He preached really well. Um, but I'd spent some time away from the pulpit with him and I really struggled with his, his language and sometimes some of the things that he talked about. It just wasn't godly. And I thought, wow. You know, you, you look really good in front of people, but then when you're behind closed doors, you know, it was a real struggle to be. And, and that's happened more than once, I can tell you. More than once. So we need to remember we're in a relationship. It's not about us. It's about God. It really is. And we have to understand that as you go through this tonight, as you're listening, as you're sensing this, remember all these things. It's not about us. I am not here for myself. I'm here for God. My job is to help other people to see God. Your job is to help other people to see God. That's what it's all about. Why did Jesus come? To point everybody to the Father. That's why he came. To be an example. Point people to, to, to the Father. Anything that we do is because of God. That is of any spiritual value. You can't do anything on your own that's of no spiritual value. When we do these things to be seen by others, that is our reward. That is our reward. Just as to be seen by men that are around you because you want to show them that you have done a good deed, that's your reward. You got it. <clears throat> it's right then, right there. This is what you'll get. Nothing more, nothing less. So that they can talk about you, of how good you are, that you did this or whatever. You got your reward. So we have to be careful of that. And it, it's really hard. I learned this lesson a number of years ago where I put an activity together. I, I uh, had taken a couple hundred uh, college students down to Mardi Gras to witness and and uh, put it all together. I mean, it took months. We had a month of prayer meetings um, at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning and all these different things and then a the whole day down in Mardi Gras and just I was consumed with it. And then whenever we were kind of in our chapel because it was college students and we were telling a little bit about it, my boss got up. He, I didn't get up. And I was like, he just took all the credit for that. I was like, thank you very much. It's like I had nothing to do with it. And, but I learned it's, it's not about me. It's about God. Because what happened was that day that we took um, 200 students down to witness, we had 300 decisions for Christ. So was it about me? No. It was all, all about um, uh, leading people to the Lord. And we did. And so we've got to give God all the glory for that. It was a humbling moment, you know, for me to do that. Um, there's no eternal value to be seen by men. There's no eternal value to be seen by men. I don't want that reward, but I want the reward that really comes from God. I want that reward that comes from God. We can't let our minds and our thoughts, the thoughts of our minds, lead us to be more than the Christ-like beings that we are. I know that everyone wants to be recognized for good deeds. And that's true. We all want to be recognized for doing things that are good. But it's how we do it. That brings attention to you and it takes the attention away from God. There was a, one of our neighbors uh, who comes to church here. She, t she told me this. that we, I, didn't, I, I know the couple that she's talking about. She didn't tell me who when she was telling me this. She said, I was driving by and I kept seeing this old couple. And this, this older man, he was out cutting his grass and, and doing some things around the yard. And she goes, I just felt led that I need to go and ask him if I could help. And so she did. And uh, so she went and helped him and, and do a few things. And he said, no, I'm fine. She goes, no, no, I want to help you. And uh, so I, I asked her, I said, who was it? And she goes, I'm not going to tell you. And I, of course, I figured out we don't have a long street and, and, uh, that we live on. And, um, and so he said, he goes, I want to give something to you. She goes, no, I, I don't want anything. I just I came to do it because I wanted to help you. And that's what I felt God, and she kind of witnessed to him. I felt that's what God wanted me to do. 
she, she received a reward because really nobody saw it. She told it to me um, because of who the neighbor was and trying to help us to, to witness to this neighbor and try and, you know, touch this older man with Christ. That that brings attention to you takes it away from God. So number two, when you give, should we give if we can give? Yes. Yes. We should. Our purpose in life is to be like Jesus. And what did he do? He came and he gave his life so that we could have life. So that we could have life. For the purpose of glorifying God to help others and to make disciples. It's for those reasons that we do it. That's the reason why you should give. And giving is, I'm not talking about giving just by giving any offering or giving money, but giving of your life, giving of your talents, giving of your abilities, giving of your time, giving of your effort. And there are all types of giving that we can do. If you are like me, you get requests all the time in the mail or on the phone to give. Correct? Yes. <clears throat> and we love it, don't we? There you go, no. Some of you got that answer right. We see people begging on the streets all the time in our community. We see tragedies around the world with hurricanes and tsunamis and all those things that we like to give to. In the church, we give tithe and offering to different ministries, to missions. At Christmas time, we'll see the Salvation Army red kettles that come out. And the list goes on and on and on and on about giving of money. There's places that you can give. And, and that's just a few. That's just a few that we can give to. Should we give? Yes. As you are led by God. And you need to remember that. I have, I have people come to me at times and say, you know, should we give to this person or to that person? Or somebody will call me and say, hey, I met somebody. And, and um, you know, should we give to that? And um, I tell them, I say, you've got to be led by God. I don't have the answer to that. I really don't. If you feel led to do something, then fine. Then do it. And, and let, let God take care of it. Should we give as we're led by God? Yes. Some might say, sounds good, but how? That is where having a relationship with God helps. And if you walk with God, God will direct you to those people. There's been times when I have been led to give something to somebody who's on the street. There's times when I don't. And with me, and, and, and speaking about this tonight, I take care of the benevolence of our church and... Um, I know the organizations that we have here in town. And I, I can tell you that some of those people who are out on the streets are professional beggars. They are professional beggars. And that's what they do, and that's how they make money. Let me tell you a story. I was up in Chicago. We were witnessing on, on uh, Michigan Avenue. Ever been to Michigan Avenue? All the high ritzy stores and everything, and there was a blind beggar that was there. And uh, the people that we were with, the organization we were with, they said, don't give to anybody who's begging. Um, they're taken care of. And we saw this guy, and then a little bit later on, he was right on Michigan Avenue, and a little bit later on, um, a couple hours later, we saw him going into an apartment complex on Michigan Avenue carrying a couple of bags of groceries. I'm like, wow, is that what it takes? Just go and beg and go home. And he was living right there. You knew he was paying a lot of money for that apartment that was there. So we have to be very careful. Let the Holy Spirit direct you in that. It's that small, still voice. Sometimes it's just a nudge to go and do this. Go and do this. There's been times when God has led me to go and pay for somebody's bill, you know, at a restaurant. Because I know other people have done the same thing for me. And it's just, I know that that's, a, you know, a God thing that's happening. And I, you know, I do it, and I don't go over to them and say, hey, I paid your bill. No, I generally do it on the way out and then keep on going. So, uh, it's knowing that you're pleasing the Father. Jesus said, when you give, just like when you fast, he's expecting us to give of our talents, our abilities, of our money, so that others will be blessed. And the Bible tells us God loves a cheerful giver. Yes, and hopefully you are, your cheerful giver. What if we think that the, the money might be used unwisely? I've had people come to me and ask me, what about this ministry? 
I, I think I'm supposed to give something, but I'm not sure about it. This is one of the things you'll hear Pastor Mark, and, and he and I have talked about this, is that if you give to a ministry other than Calvary Temple, hopefully you trust us, you know, by now. Um, but if you give to a ministry you maybe see on TV or whatever, pray about it, number one. And then number two, you can check these things out. You can check these things out. The, the missions, the money that we give towards missionaries, all of it goes to the missionary. If you give $100 towards mission, that goes right to the missionaries. Now, if you, if you check with some of the organizations and stuff, there is administrative cost that comes along with those. And you'll find that sometimes administrative cost can be 60% of a dollar. And only 30% of the money goes to the field. One of the things that, you know, we try and do is the Assemblies of God, um, and that's the missionaries that we support, is that their, their cost, I think, is like 7% administration cost. And we have ways to, to make that 7% up, that the money that comes in, we want it to go to the missionaries. So just check those things out. Not every preacher on TV is honest. I know that's hard to believe, even though they say that they are. Not every organization is getting every dollar to where it's supposed to go. And so check out those organizations and just understand, you know, what they do and how they do it. You can, you can find that information out. It's, it's fairly easy. We are to be wise in how we spend the hard-earned money that you have. So the next question I have is how much? Because this is a good question. <clears throat> Again, you need, to reply, you need to rely on God. Now, sometimes God really stretches us in this area. There's times when we've, <clears throat> excuse me, we've asked you to give. We have 50th anniversary pledge that we took last year. And maybe you, you made a pledge that it was above and beyond what you could think or imagine. Kim and I, you know, we've done this in the past. We're like, we, we knew what God told us, and we made that pledge, and God blessed us that we were able to fulfill that pledge. There's other times when Kim and I, uh, if we're not sitting together and, and there's a missionary or there's a, something you know, happening and there's a special offering coming, we haven't talked about it. She's the one who carries the checkbook. I don't know how to write, so she takes care of the checkbook. And um, there's times when she'll write out a check and then afterwards we'll talk and she'll say, well, how much did you want me to give? And I'll say so-and-so. She goes, that's what I gave. And about nine times out of ten, we're pretty much right on, you know, because of our relationship and, you know, what we can do and what we think we can do. And at times it's been, you know, right on a little bit more than what I think. And I go to her and she goes, well, that's what I was thinking also. So trust God. He will lead you in that to help you with that. God is not in the wasting business. He doesn't want to waste things. See, he will take them and he will use them for his glory. So many times I have seen people give and it's the exact amount that is needed. So when I was in Bible college, um, my parents, um, they told me, they said they weren't going to pay for my education. Um, when I was in Bible college, they paid for my other business schooling that I'd gone to and then called into ministry, went to Bible college, you know, when I was 23. And um, so I was needing some money, and I've shared this, some of you have been here, I've shared this story before. I was needing some money, I needed $450 to make my next payment and uh, I didn't want to ask my parents and so I was praying about it praying about it praying about it and finally the night before I, I just had to ask my parents so I called home talked to my dad and I said hey I need to borrow $450 can you do that and put it in my account and he said how much do you owe altogether and I said um, I'm not asking for that I said I just want $450 he goes no how much do you owe altogether and I said $900 for the semester and, um, and I'll be done he goes, go and write a check tomorrow for $900. I said, Dad, you're not listening. I just want $450. I don't want to borrow $900 because then I've got to pay you back, you know, $900. I just want $450. Then I just have to pay you back $450. And he said, no. He goes, you don't understand. He goes, listen to me. And he said, um, you know, my great aunt so-and-so, and he told me what her name was. He said, I knew I was getting in some inheritance from her. And um, so it came, and we decided that before it even came, we were going to give it to you to put towards Bible college. 
And uh, he goes, we just got it. Just got it. Like the day before or that day, just got it. And my bill's due the next day. He goes, we got $1,000. So we're going to tithe $100, and you get $900. See, God knows how to do those things. And God doesn't, he doesn't waste anything, and sometimes it doesn't come when we want it or we, we, we give it at times and we kind of wonder, is this the right time and all these different things take place. God's in charge of all that. All we have to be is obedient to what he asks us to do, to be obedient. So he goes on, then we have this what not to do. Don't sound a trumpet in the church or in the streets. That is your instant reward. And there is no eternal reward, reward for that. You are glorifying God. You're growing, glorifying yourself and not God. And it is hard to pass up instant gratification. Understand that the latter sometimes doesn't come for a long time. When you've done something really, really good, sometimes you just want to hear, oh, "Well done," or "Good job," or "Hey, that was a great blessing." And sometimes it doesn't come. He says, don't be like a hypocrite. Definition of a hypocrite is someone that says that they are one thing but really are something else. And in the Greek, it means play actor, that they're a play actor. It's hard at times, but God helps. Also, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He is telling us that we shouldn't toot our own horn, that we should keep it to ourselves. We'll get into that in a little bit. Everything that you do is for God's good. The ability to give is because God has blessed you with money to give or talents to give or whatever to use them for His glory. God has given those things unto us. Those that truly want to do the work of God, we will never hear about it. And we've heard different people Mother Teresa was a great lady. She did so much for, you know, the people of India and other people around the world. And yeah, we did hear her name. But probably at the beginning, there was a lot of things that she did that we never heard about. Billy Graham, when he started out, he would preach from church to church to church, travel in his car and travel through the night to preach the next night. <clears throat> we just see him at the end, preaching in big, you know, arenas and, and all those kinds of things. There's a lot of things that they did. David Wilkerson started out in the streets of New York. We don't hear about those things. We always hear about the end of the things that they're doing when they're big. When they're big. Jesus, in his story of the widow's might, she came up and she just gave a little. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came, and she put in two small copper coins, which amount to one cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned, all that she had to live on. That's amazing, isn't it? And she wasn't there trying to get attention. She was just giving what God wanted her to give. Jesus just happened to be in the right place at the right time to be able to see this. And he pulled his disciples over and he drew attention to it. But she didn't draw attention to it. She just put it in quietly and she went on. She went on. She gave all that she had and she was noticed. We need to remember that it's not about us. It's about God. I saw a story uh, just recently, which is a great example of someone giving of their life for the cause of Christ. Let me read it to you. It's not very long. It says, A century ago, a band of brave souls became known as the one-way missionaries. They purchased single tickets to a mission field without a return half. And instead of suitcases, they packed their few belongings in coffins. As they sailed out the port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything that they knew, and uh, they knew they'd never return home. A.W. Milne, I guess is how it is. There is no S on the end, Bob. No relation. Because you know he's going to say, that's my cousin. Um, was one of those missionaries. He set sail for the new 
Hibernies, I guess, in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. For 35 years he lived among the tribe and loved them. When he died, tribe members buried him. In the middle of their village, inscribed this epitaph on his stone, tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Wow. And you've never heard that name before, and I have to believe. And he, he filled his coffin. These were people, I've heard these stories, these were people who would fill their coffin knowing that they would never come back. And why a coffin? Because that's what they were going to be buried in. They took that so that they could be buried in something. What a great story, huh? I'm almost sure that God had <laughs> a great reward for him. 35 years. So let's go on. Number three, God is the rewarder. How does he reward? Sometimes it's instantaneous, and there's great satisfaction with that. The satisfaction of what you have done for the kingdom of God. There's times, and I can, I can, I can relate to this, there's times when I go to the hospital, and I'll be honest, there's times I'm tired, or I, I think, oh man, I've got so many other things to do in the office. Um, you know, need to go in here and see a few people. And when I walk out, I am on like cloud nine. Because so many times whenever I go in and, and minister to people in the hospital, I am more, it seems like I get more blessed than what they do. I really do. If you've ever made hospital visits, it's amazing. And that last night I was up at the, uh, the hospital, late last night with somebody. And um, I was just up there and I knew I had to do a few things in the office and, and uh, while my son was practicing basketball. And, and, um, but when I walked out of there, I'm like, okay. God, I know why you brought me here tonight, to bless me. And I know I, I blessed the, the person I was going to see, but I know why you brought me here, was to bless me. There's great satisfaction. That is a reward. The satisfaction of knowing that God is also pleased with what you have done. Knowing that you have touched somebody's life. There has been times in my life when the blessing has come back right away. It's come back right away. And then also, sometimes it takes a while. We shouldn't give to get a reward. Can I say that again? We shouldn't give to give a reward, to get a reward. When we give on Sunday mornings, we should give because God has blessed us. We should give to meet the needs of the church, and we should give to make disciples. And that's, that's the things that I always think of in my life. I don't give that, I can say, okay, I'm going to give $100, God. Your word says 30, 60, and 100-fold. So, you know, I want $300 back or 3000 or whatever. Six, <sighs> I tell people, God is my accountant. And I'm glad he is because I would screw it up. So, really, Kyle's my accountant, so here on earth. So. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. I just had to throw that in. We shouldn't give to get. We do it because we love God. And that is what these verses tonight are talking about. My motives, my heart, my pride, my love for God. Did you get it? My motives, my heart, my pride, and my love for God. That reward might not come also until you get to heaven. Can you wait that long? You're going to have to. That's the thing about God. He knows how to reward. And He knows what best reward we would receive. And He knows how to bless us. Just listen and trust God, and it says that God will take care of us. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It's a great scripture. You need to memorize it and live by it. Number four, don't lay up yourselves treasures upon earth. Jesus was not saying that we shouldn't own property. And let me just say a couple things real quick. 
that we shouldn't have investments, that we shouldn't have nice things. That's not what he's talking about. If you have nice things or whatever, that's great. Every time I see a Cadillac, CTS, go by, yeah, I lust every once in a while, I confess. I'd love to have one of those. But you know, my 2007 gold-rusting Sebring still gets me from point A to point B. And I'm still dry and warm and safe inside. It's how we think of things. You have also those things that in your life that we have to take care of. And the thing is, is if I had one of those Cadillacs, you know the gas is going to be more because you've got to put in the higher octane. Whenever you go get the oil change, it's more. You know, to get it repaired, it's more. The insurance is more. God knows I can afford a Sebring. So, that's what I have. Now, if somebody wants to buy me a Cadillac, oh, I should have said turn the, va- the recording off. He's not even back there. He's skipping at him. 1 Peter 5. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his own home, for his own, and especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, he's not saying that you shouldn't have nice things, to be content. He's not saying that. But he's saying that we need to watch the treasures that we do have in our life. We need to live and be content. Paul said it. He goes, I've been rich, I've been poor. My desire is to be content in all things. Jesus shares the reason why not to lay them up on earth. For moth, rust, and it can be stolen. Things that are nice, they're not going to last here on earth. You know, you buy the newest technology you know, as soon as you get home, it's already obsolete. You buy a car, you buy a home, those things rust and and all kinds of things, whatever. All these things are going to go away. They are going to go away. We will all pass from this life unless the Lord comes back. And it's not what we've accumulated, but it's our relationship with God that really counts. And that's what will stand before God. He's not going to say, oh, Paul, you had a Cadillac on earth. You deserve more in heaven. No. It's not what we have on earth that determines what happens in in heaven. No. He said, because of your heart. And Jesus, again, isn't saying that not to have nice things. But just don't put those things before God. It's like, you know, getting a fishing boat. And then every Sunday morning you want to go fishing instead of going to church. That has become a treasure here on earth. You're putting it before God. And there's some people that do that. It's when you put those things before your relationship with God that it starts to fall apart. All these things are just physical things. And they will eventually go away. So he tells us, number five, lay up treasures in heaven. Jesus doesn't just tell us to have treasures, but he tells us to lay them up in the heaven. These are the incorruptible things, those things which won't rust, won't break, that won't be stolen. They are eternal things. These are the things that have lasting value, and we can see this in Matthew chapter 25. It says, But when the sons of men, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. And the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? He says, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it unto one of the least of my brothers, even, I'm sorry, to brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accused 
I'm sorry, cursed ones, to the internal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison? I did not take care of you. Then he will answer to them. Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it unto the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's those things that we do that we're not seeking the glory for ourselves. The work that we do for the Lord are those things that are eternal. So if you're helping out in the children's ministry, well, I'll tell you what, there's some big eternal reward for that. My wife is over in with the preschool. Preschool. Every time we pull in, she always has to pray the serenity prayer. God, give me the peace. Give me the serenity. <laughs> um, because, and you know, that's not the ministry I am called to. I can tell you that. I love kids. But... I'm not called to that ministry. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see the good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. God has given each and every one of us good works to do. He's given us good works to do. So how is your eye, I'm sorry, how is your eyesight? I better hurry up. Jesus again gives another contrast here about the light having light, your eye having light, or darkness. And we have to be very careful because it says that what we take in, what they can see, there's either light inside of us or there's darkness inside of us. Matthew chapter 13. For the heart of these, this people has become dull, with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would be able to see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. He's, they'd come to him, they'd ask him, why do you teach in parables? I ask Jesus, why do you teach in parables? And he, he, he says this to them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. We need to have light. We need to be able to, to see that light and have it inside of us. We need to be able to have our eyes open to spiritual matters, also to worldly matters. We need to have our eyes open to everything. So lastly, serving two masters. And we've heard this scripture so many times tonight as we have dealt with both sides of the giving, two treasures, two visions, and now two masters. Christianity is all about making decisions. Did you get that? I, and I said this Sunday, every, every day I make a decision whether I'm going to follow after God or not. Some of the things that I do when I come to church and when it's time for the tithe and offering, I make a decision. Am I going to give or not? If I see somebody, you know, that I can help, I make a decision. Am I going to do it or not? It's all about decisions. You can't serve God in money, and in some translations, mammon. And here's the two sides. You will love the one and hate the other. Why? Because there's a contrast in these things. God would say, give your hard-earned money to those in need. Bless the church, help somebody, you know, all those kinds of things. Money says, I want more. I want more. And again, the decision's yours on where you are with God. Greed is a wicked partner that you will make that'll make you do things that you don't want to do. First Timothy chapter six. But godliness actually is a means of great game. Gain. When accompanied accompanied by contentment for we have brought nothing into the world so we can take nothing out of it either if we have food or covering 
With these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall in temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It, money isn't bad. It really isn't. And if you think it's bad, you can bring me all your money after service, and I'll be glad to take it. It's, it's the love of money. It's when we love it more than we love other things. When we love other things. And that's, that's what you have to understand. And we have to, you know, we have to be you know, careful with it, that it, it doesn't rule, rule us. Again, I, I've told you about that I take care of the benevolence and, and uh, at times people will come in and, and I sit down with them, I look at their finances and ask them questions. And, and I, can, I can tell where people have gotten to where they've gotten. Sometimes it is just a bump in the road. They didn't, you know, expect to go to the hospital and have an operation and, and you know, they live kind of paycheck to paycheck. They're content. But they just had a bump in the road and it's put them in a place where they need benevolence. So we, we, you know, we can see these things. And it's not that they love money, but, you know, if you're playing the lottery every week and you're expecting to get rich and then, you know, you don't have money, spending $200 on lottery tickets and you can't pay your bills, there's the love of money. I, I read this statistic. In 2015, Illinois State Lottery sold $2.85 billion worth of tickets. Wow! That is a lot. There's a lot of people who think they're going to get rich by buying a ticket. I've never done that. I've seen them on the ground. I've always wanted to pick them up. Of course, I think, then if I win, then what am I going to say? I found this on it. No, they're saying, you bought, you bought that. I don't even pick them up. We need to watch those things which control us. And money is one of those things, if we're not careful, they can control us. So some of you know me. I don't drink soda. I haven't since I was 17 years old. And this is one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life about control. When I was 17, I, I had gone to bed, and I, I got up because I wanted to get some soda. I just was craving it. And remember, some of you are a little bit older. Some of the younger ones won't remember. We used to have it in bottles and had those rubber stoppers that you, mm -hmm. And so I went down to the refrigerator. There was some Sprite in the refrigerator, pulled the stopper, and I drank out of it, which I wasn't supposed to do, but I was thirsty. And I went back up and got in bed. And I thought to myself, I am controlled by soda. I didn't need a lot. I just needed some every single day. And it was that day that I stopped drinking soda. Because I said I don't want to be controlled by anything. And I gave it up. And now I just, every once in a while, uh, if I go to a picnic and they don't have any water or anything like that, um, I'll drink soda. Or I'll see my wife's and just take a sip because water gets boring after a while. And I don't know how you drink that stuff. That stuff is terrible. It really is. After a while, you do change. That's why I don't. And it really, that really helped me. That, that lesson st has stayed with me, that I don't want things to control me. We need to examine our lives and how we live them. So what about us tonight? It boils down to pride issue. Boils down to pride issue. Whether we want to be seen by men or by God. God wants to give, bless, to use us, that we would have the right heart, that we would have the right understanding. But we have to look inward to those things. What is your motive in that? There are two rewards, those from men and those from God. And I'll be honest with you, I want the one from God. I want the one from God. So we have to, we have to be very careful. Let your, let your motives be right. Let your heart be right. It's not always easy. It's not. But pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to lead you, and to guide you. And He will. I, I've talked about the benevolence, and I, and I ask that you would pray for, I have a team that I work with um, that help me with the benevolence, and we make decisions. Have we always made the right decision 100% of the time? I, I'd have to say no. There has been times I, I have given money to somebody, and I have seen them use it in a bad way. In fact, one time I even went and got the money back from the person. Um, 
And I won't go into that story. My wife said, you're, you're going to get shot doing that one of these days because uh, you walk into the liquor store right across the street from the church. So I, just, I, I was in my car and I went out. I saw him coming out of it and I said, give me all the rest of the money. And if I didn't have to go into the liquor store and take that bottle back, I would have done it. Because I don't want to use I don't want to use God's money in an unwise way. I don't want to use God's money in an unwise way in my life. I don't want to use the gifts and talents and abilities that I have in an unwise way for God. I want to help people see Jesus Christ. I want to make disciples that when I pass, I can hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I pray that you would help us. Father, we all want to be your servants. I pray that you would just minister to our lives. Father, help us. That when we see somebody on the side of the road, if we are to stop and give them something or go and buy them a sandwich or whatever, let us do it. If you tell us to give a, a large offering, let us do it. Father, if we're supposed to bake some brownies and take them to our neighbor for some unknown reason, and then when we get over there, we find out that one of them is sick or whatever it happens to be. So be it. I pray that you would use us for your glory. We don't want to be seen by men. Father, I pray that we are not prideful in the things that we do. Pray that you would help us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, to discern right from wrong, not to be controlled by anything in this world other than you. That, Father, we can be like A.W. Milne, to give our lives, to minister to others, knowing that I might be packing my own coffin to do it. Father, whether that's in the workplace, Father, in school, at home with our neighbors. Father, wherever you lead us. Father, I pray that we would be your servants, ready to go. And Father, tonight we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. Hopefully see you Sunday.